Hello, 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 hello. Welcome back, my Truth Over Tea fans, friends, and fanatics. It's me, your continual host, Christopher Wilmot, where we're learning to tell the truth over spilling the tea to the LGBT community and beyond. I welcome you wherever you may be joining us today, whether it's here locally in the States or globally as we're getting some listeners and viewers there. Welcome, come on in and welcome back if you've been tracking with us over each season. But if this happens to be your first season, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. You know my name. I'm 29 years old. I have been a disciple as we're learning to call ourselves um, with the Lord for about seven to eight years now, walking with him and just following him as a disciple. The Lord has discipled me into the three things that we're learning on this podcast, which is acceptance, change, and practicing self-control over same-sex desires. Yeah. And a little bit of tea about myself as you heard some of it being stirred in the background. Here's some spilling tea that you may be interested in that I spent four to five active years in the LGBT lifestyle identifying with homosexuality. So I have come into an understanding of the truth, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is Jesus himself. And he's discipled me to understand that God accepts you, grace changes you, and you can't control you. So whether you're in the community or even out, all three of those things can benefit you. Even though this is a podcast targeted to the LGBT community, it's not limited to the community. So I welcome you. And so without any further ado, grab your tea and join me. Like, comment, and share this if this installment of truth can bless you or somebody you know. Without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into today's installment of truth. Hello and welcome, you all. I'm preparing my tea. Hopefully you have prepared yours and you're ready to join me for our installment of truth this evening, morning or afternoon, whenever you happen to be listening to this. I welcome you as we are diving into truth over tea. We're discussing identity for this season three, as you guys are pretty much familiar with by now or getting familiarized with and to understand that we have to first define what it was. And we've done that in episodes past. And now we're going to be discipling you into that through Christ and the the word of God, which is truth over T, as you know. So um, for building purposes, we're going to reiterate the definition we established a couple episodes ago when we discussed, I guess a couple episodes ago, it's really last episode, (laughs) which we defined identity as, I'm going to my notes here so I can verbatim quote it, sorry, here we are. Your identity is the source of where you find your sense of self, worth, awareness, appreciation, and even self-esteem. Identity, as we said, ultimately is how you understand who you are. That's everything about what you do because it comes out of who you are. As we've learned in Proverbs, out of a man's heart flows the issues of their life and out of a man's heart or her heart um, is what they believe that they are and that's what they're going to be doing in in their life. So what you believe is what you're going to be doing. How you're believing is how you're living for a poetic way of remembering it. And so we've been challenging or I've been challenging you to challenge yourself to identify with Christ, but begin to sift through what you believe about Christ, about yourself, about others. And we kind of did the self portion of this. Now we're going to do the Christ portion of this as we're being discipled in him, as we are disciples to him. So to do so, we are going to just reiterate some of the four or five different stages or phases of discipleship, which I went over in season two on the bonus episode, which please, 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 I uh, encourage you to go back and listen to that because that is just not the stages and phases to discipleship 
but it's also the stages of phases, or excuse me, it's not just the stages and phases to your identity, which we're discussing in season three, but it's also the stages and phases of your discipleship. And that goes for every area of your life. And if you don't remember, discipleship is just the process of, in the development of you becoming more like Christ in every season of your life. The, the process and the development that we've defined this, this word discipleship as, um, you're just becoming more like Christ in every season of your life. And you may be single now, you may one day be married, divorced, widowed, whatever the case may be, wherever you may find yourself in life, Jesus is going to be discipling you through his word. Really, his spirit is going to be discipling you through his word and through the people he sends to your life. Other leaders, other mentors, other spiritual fathers and mothers to kind of help you be more like Christ. And so we've learned to do this on this podcast by these five different things and stages and phases. Um, reiterating again from that bonus episode, denial was the first stage. Once you deny yourself, you can come into humility, which is the second stage or submission. You can submit yourself to the spirit of God, the word of God. And Jesus now becomes your Lord and your Savior. He really just became your Savior when you got saved. And now he becomes your Lord as you're his disciple in the second stage and phase, when, which is humility. Um, the third stage in phase is, you can say, transformation, some type of change or transformation you should be beginning to experience with the Lord. There's no sense of you becoming a Christian and there's no fruits and evidence of such. So you need to be experiencing some form of change, which is a component we advocate on the God accepts you mission. God accepts you, grace changes you, and you control you. So that change component, we're dealing with the LGBT community, you should be experiencing some form of change. Maybe not necessarily in your sexuality yet, but at least in your life. So let's sip some tea to that. Mm -hmm. So that's the third stage of phase, as I said. Then the other stage of phase is which you guess you can say fourth is power, dominion. You should be experiencing some power. The benefits I found, one of the greatest benefits I found of being a disciple is that I have power. I have, you know, comically superpower, superpower from a supernatural being, which is God himself. And so this power he's given unto me and trusted unto me and you who have accepted this responsibility too, he's given that to you because now you know who he is and you know who you are. And that power comes um, when you finally understand your identity, which is another stage and phase. And so we are talking more about the identity portion of discipleship, but we talked about denial and submission and making Jesus your Lord and Savior both in season one and season two. So I've kind of already was doing this before the Lord was telling me what I was exactly doing, which I've learned to call it discipleship. So we are learning to call ourselves disciples instead of Christians. Only not to be controversial, to be different or just to be complicated, because typically you know, as a, I guess they call us millennials. They like to think we're just the difficult generation. We just like to do things difficultly. And it's like, no, we just like to do things that make sense. And a lot of, at least as growing up as a millennial, I learned that a lot of stuff that we have been adapting in our lives as Christians or just adapting in our lives as black people, white people, gay people, straight people, whatever people you would like to identify with. A lot of what we have identified and accepted in our lives is just stuff we were taught from other people in their lives. And so we've established our lives based off other people's experience and traditions that are really not true. These things really don't make sense when we really begin to study them out. We just start to believe in these superstitions that are not and traditions that are not true. <laughs> so I won't go too deep on that. I'll save that for another episode. So what exactly are you believing yourself to be? You know, going back to, I think we talked about this in episode one, Proverbs 23, seven, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So 
if you've been thinking traditionally or religiously or superstitiously about your identity, how do you even know that's truly who you are? I mean, what are you basing that truth off of? As we know, we're going to the word of God about all truth, not just with our identity, but everything in our lives as well. And so as we go to the word of God, I, and as a millennial, just using that as an example, I started challenging some of these traditional beliefs that I heard from my ancestors or people who've gone before me, even strong men and women of God in the faith. I started to look up these different things that they said was true, that they said that was God. They, they even said that was biblical. And it's like, wait, that I don't know where that scripture is. You know, I never found that scripture. I've never seen it. And they could be, I could be wrong. They could be right. But when I studied the scriptures and as I read the Bible, I've never found some of these traditional religious things that people have adapted to their life that they just assume that we should adapt to ours. And so as a millennial using that as a context, I was like, no, we reject that. And I think that rejecting can kind of be seen as it can kind of come off as rebellion. So it's not rebellion, but I think it can be interpreted as that because we just don't go with the flow. And that's one thing I love about the millennials out there. So shout out to you all. So in context of what we're talking about this evening, I wanted to go to reiterating in Proverbs 23, 7, that says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. But there's another scripture that I want to begin to look at and build on that foundation as we're learning it to, to do so. Um, we, we have the, the ground, we have the groundwork, the foundation, Jesus being the cornerstone. Let's build on that understanding and that definition we uh, defound last week. We're going to go to Acts 17, 28. Acts 17 for our study today, Acts 17, 28. So we can begin to just milk these things and really see the depth of how your identity really goes or should go as you're becoming discipled in Christ. Um, Acts 17, 28, and I'm going to read here in a few different translations that talks or emphasizes the importance of going to Jesus, going to the word, confessing those scriptures to help shape our identity. Remember, we're not going to allow anybody or anything to define what they did not create, as I think is what the quote I was using last week. So 1728 reads, let's see, for in him, the Lord Jesus, we live and move and exist and we have our own being for even as some of your poets have said, for we also are his children, his offspring. Again, uh, Acts 1728, for in him, we live and move and breathe and have our being. We have our existence in him and that him what we're referring to, as we know, is Jesus. So if in him we have our being, are we believing him within us? Because if not, out of our hearts going to flow that issue or that failed belief in the Lord and we're not going to be expressing that in our life and that's what we ultimately want to be doing as disciples if we call ourselves disciples to Christ we need to be identifying with him in our life so what we now behold we're going to now become and we're going to see this in scripture second Corinthians 318 I believe it is second Corinthians 318 it talks a lot about that existence and beholding him for our existence I should say and beholding him is the importance of doing that in 2 Corinthians 3.18. That further reiterates this point. And again, that's 2 Corinthians. I'm in 1 first, first Corinthians. Now, 2nd. 2nd typically comes after 1st. Okay, 3.18. And this scripture reads in a few different translations. 
But we all with open face beholding in a glass the glory of the Lord. We are forever changed in the same image from glory to glory, even by the spirit of the Lord. This is so enriching, so pregnant with different points we can pull out of this. And one being that they're equating the Lord and the word of God as a mirror. And they're saying, we want you to look at this as a mirror to adjust your life to it versus trying to adjust it to you, to you. And typically, again, through those traditions and those superstitions and religions that are out there, people are trying to adapt the word to their life without beholding it in Christ. And this is very important. Think about it. Like, how can you become what you won't behold? It's almost like the mirror example. How can you fix what you don't see? If we're beholding the word of God as a mirror to our lives, we're adjusting ourselves to it, not trying to adjust it to us, which is typically what some people have manipulated the word of God to be to do for themselves and others. They try to get people to change the word to fit their lifestyle, especially, unfortunately, a lot of people in the LGBT community. They want to change the truth now by making their truth and my truth and my word and and the word and instead of going. Instead of going to the word, they've created their word. Instead of going to the truth, they created their truth. And now we're completely dismissing the truth because of our feelings about the truth. And so we're not beholding the word and we're not becoming the word. We're not being transformed into that image. So we're not being discipled. That's obvious because transformation is a key component to discipleship. But then now we're calling ourselves gay Christians. We're calling ourselves black Christians. We're calling ourselves democratic Christians, Republican Christians, or this is the Christian party. You see how far we've gotten from this because we have completely cast off what truth is and we're beholding our feelings and we're believing our feelings and we're changing our feelings based off what we're believing and what we're believing is not the word and what we're beholding is not the word. So we can't become that and be changed into the image of that because we're not looking to that, you know? And so, so many different examples in your life and walk with the Lord and even others, you can begin to point out and pick out to see, yeah, this is the results of either a beholding the word or the results or consequences of not beholding the word. I see in my life where I've experienced the acceptance change and self-control components of what we're advocating. I've seen that by doing this very thing in Second Corinthians 12 or excuse me, Second Corinthians 318, beholding as an open face the word of God. And then the spirit of God is assisting me by doing what I was responsible to do. Behold the word. And now the Holy Spirit is responsible for changing me into that word I behold and using the word as that image, using the word as that mirror I'm changing my life into by the spirit. And again, so much. And I hopefully I'm making sense with it all. It's the spirit of God doing this. I'm not even really doing the change. You're not doing the change. We're not doing the change. It's the spirit of God that's doing it. But he says, I cannot do it without the cooperation of you beholding it. And so you're beholding this word as an image or as the image you're, or even as the mirror and the spirit of God is going to change you into that image and make this a reality in your life. So you'll stop just believing, believing, believing and never receiving. You're going to be receiving this because you're beholding it and believing it. And as a man thinketh in his heart and believes in his heart or her heart, so are they. So who are you? I guarantee it's whatever you've been beholding and looking at and changing yourself into that image. And Christ should be that image through the word of God and more so the gospel. And I, I hesitate to kind of insert this here because it's very controversial, but, you know, I'm not afraid of controversy because typically truth has just become controversial nowadays. So the Lord has even cautioned me to stop calling it controversy, to train you into thinking that every time you hear truth, it's automatically going to be controversy because not we want to begin to accept it. And I think we reject controversy, but 
in doing so, we reject the truth because the truth is controversial. So I digress on that point, but I hesitated to tell you this, but I think it's necessary and important to put this in and plug this in here when we talk about the gospel and the word, the difference between the two, because I want to make sure you're adequately and uh, effectively beholding the right thing. And the right thing we should be beholding, of course, is Jesus, of course, is the word of God, but it's more so Jesus through the gospel, because the word of God is not there's types and shadows of Jesus in the Old Testament, but the New Testament is the fuller revelation of Jesus and really what Paul was revealed. And we want to begin to look at what Paul has to say about Jesus because he got the revelation of Jesus by the spirit, which we are going to be identifying with Jesus through the spirit, which we're getting to in episodes to come. So we want to be going to the gospel, which the gospel doesn't start with Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. That's really the gospel according to Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. But the gospel actually starts in the book of Acts because that's where they got the revelation of Jesus by the spirit. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John knew uh, Jesus by the flesh. And we're going to see this in a practical example through one of the stories that we're getting ready to turn to in the Bible, in the truth. But I want you to begin to hold, behold Jesus by the spirit. And how do you do that? When you can't touch, see, or taste the spirit, you have to go to the word of God, which is spirit. And we're going to bring all these points together. But reiterating my point, the gospel is different than the Bible. The gospel is different than just the word of God. The gospel is the revealed knowledge of Jesus by the spirit, which was given to only Paul. It was not given to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John because they knew Jesus by the flesh. And so I have this saying that I've incorporated, a quotable, tweetable one that you can um, begin to in, in adapt in your life. And the whole, I say the whole Bible is written for us. I think I said this on season one before, but the whole Bible is written for us, meaning you can read it, you can learn from it, and it is good information. But the whole Bible is not talking to us, the born again believer, the disciple. In fact, the disciples are really only somebody who started in the New Testament, and then the gospel started in the book of Acts, which again is in the New Testament. And that's what we want to begin to behold, because that's how we're going to begin to see Jesus in a more fuller light. If the Bible specifically says that the Old Testament is types and shadows, we, why go to a shadow when we can go to the actual image? And the actual image is Jesus revealed to Paul, and that's uh, the gospel we know as the gospel of grace, which again, grace changes you, uh, God accepts you. So, just, just to reiterate that point, I want to give you a scripture to drive on that that one specific point so you don't think I'm speaking or preaching heresy here. Um, let me look that up because I don't know it off the top of my head. Uh, Colossians 2.16, I believe, is the quickest, closest one I can find under short under such short notice. Um, just going to read this. And this is just a little doctrinal uh, emphasis here. So bear with me. And this may seem boring for some intriguing for others but Colossians 2:16 talks about in the NLT I'm reading it says do not let anyone condemn you or judge you for what you eat or you drink or the certain days that you celebrate or new moons and ceremonies of sabbaths why because oh uh, those are shadows of things that were to come but the reality, however, is found in Christ and Christ is fully revealed in a more fuller measure. You could say through the Holy Spirit, which was given to us again, New Testament through uh, the Apostle Paul, again, New Testament, which started really in the book of Acts, again, New Testament. And I only emphasize uh, doing that because Second Corinthians 318, if Jesus is saying or this scripture is saying, behold him, how can you behold him if you can't see him because you're looking at him through a shadow? 
following somebody's shadow is not like following him. You may miss him if you're following the shadow. And so if we behold Christ in the image of the gospel, it's going to help change everything in our life, including our identity. So sorry, that was a good place to insert that little doctrinal correction there. I don't know if I have liberty to do so, but um, I just did. <laughs> so hopefully I don't get in trouble by any scholars out there. But again, uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18, what you behold, you become. And it says, oh, as an open face or open eyes, you can even say, behold, like a glass or mirror, the, the glory of the Lord. We are changed into that image we're beholding glory to glory, even by that same spirit, the spirit of the Lord. And so let's make sure and even ask yourself what it is that we are beholding, because what you're beholding, you're most likely going to be believing and what you're believing, you're going to be receiving and you're going to be living. So again, Proverbs 23, 7 talks about that. So in him, if in him we move and in him we breathe and in him we have our being and the spirit of God is going to be changing us into that being that we're now beholding. Let's see if we can find a practical example in the Bible of someone doing that as a disciple. Matthew, let's see. Matthew 16 is a good place to go that I thought of when studying the word of God and being discipled myself into my identity in Christ, learning to behold him and, and so on and so forth. Some of the, all those other points that we were just um, discussing for further reiteration. Matthew 16 gives us a perfect depiction of how to do this. Jesus begins to do this with one of his disciples. And I want to I want to milk some of these scriptures for points that I'm making on this podcast this evening. So Matthew, Mark, Luke. So Matthew. Uh, gosh, sorry, y'all. Turning a lot of pages here. Matthew 16, coming from 2 Corinthians. Matthew 16, let's probably start for context sake. Um, let's start in hmm, verse 13. Excuse my pronunciation of some of these nations and regions because I'm not a, the best on pronunciation, but it reads in Matthew 16, 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea, Philippi, if I'm saying that right, he was asked, or excuse me, he was asking his disciples, not Christians, <laughs> reiteration there, who do people say that the son of man is? Who do they say? They said, some say you're John the Baptist. Others say you're Elijah. Others even say you're Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He said to them in verse 6, 15, but who do you say that I am? First question is, who do they say and not who do you say? So I believe God was revealing this to me uh, through revelation, not information, as we learn as disciples to be. He's giving me revelation on this, this, these two, three verses. He's saying, who do they say and who do you say depends on who you're listening to, who you're beholding, who you're allowing in your circumference of people to influence you and most likely identify with or begin to shape your identity. And so he was saying to his disciples, and God was revealing to me, are what they saying about me influencing what I'm saying about you or what the Father should be revealing to you? And so verse 13, he says, who do they say? And then verse 15, he says, but what do you say? Now, one of his disciples, as we all know, Simon Peter, one of our, I guess our favorite disciples, he was bold and radical. Um, he says, you are the Christ, son of the living God. And Jesus said, whoa, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. So he went from Simon Peter to Simon Barjona. Pay attention to that because watch this. Flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but 
my father who is in heaven. Now, remember what I was talking about, that the disciples did not know Jesus by the spirit. They only knew him by the flesh. This reiterates that, that, that point I was making. So you don't just take my word, but you can take the word for that, his word, more importantly. Verse 17, Jesus said, whoa, you're blessed, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. But my father who is in heaven, remember one of the key components and differences between Christian and disciple is Christians get information disciples get revelation. So right now Jesus is giving or giving us an understanding of revelation, but he's telling Simon Barjona or Peter, you are getting a revelation. You just got revelation with all the information you have on me. That doesn't mean anything until God reveals that information to you personally. And that's that revelation. He says, you just got a revelation of me and who I am to you. So now that you know who I am, watch this. Verse 18, I also say to you, Peter, and upon this rock, I will build my church. Now, there's some controversy on what he meant by that rock. I believe, as my spiritual father has taught me, and I'm teaching you um, by default, the rock is revelation. That's what he was referring to as I build my church upon that rock, the rock of revelation of who Christ is to you. So he says, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Watch this. Verse 19. I will give you the keys to the kingdom. Watch that power. Watch that authority he just gave him. It's almost like keys to a car. I just gave you access to something by giving you these keys. And he says these keys are synonymous to whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth, earth is loosed in heaven. Look at that authority. Look at that power. But more important, look at that identity. Go ahead and sip to that. See here that Peter had been beholding Christ for so long, getting so much information on Christ for so long that God was able to use that information and graduate him to revelation to reveal who Christ is. Not who you think he is, that what you heard him to be, but who he actually is. And now who he is because the father revealed to you who he is, not somebody you had to learn through vicariously through somebody else or some information you got from somebody else. You got divine revelation from God himself. Said. Because he knew who Christ is, now Christ can, can reveal to him who he was. And if you see the, the difference or the change here, he addressed Peter two different ways. He first addressed him as Simon Peter. Then he said Simon Barjona. So I believe, not that we have to change our name, he was changing his name because his identity had changed. And again, he had been beholding, Peter had been walking with Jesus as long, right along with everybody else. All of the disciples were walking with Jesus, but only Peter got the revelation of Jesus. Man, that'll preach right there. How many people in our churches, in our homes, in our households, traditionally, religiously, even, um, uh, what was the other word? Uh, 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 what's that other word I used? I think it was superstitiously, superstitiously. We have been understanding or misunderstanding or relating with God, but how many of us actually know him personally? I, that, that's man that'll really preach at least to me so we could have heard information on god but have we actually got a revelation on, on on god we may heard some things about jesus and about god and about the scriptures but have you gotten some revelation on that and as disciples that's what you should be aiming for and will be experiencing through your walk with the lord because all 12 of his disciples got that same question who do men say that i am all of them answered but only one answered right and that was peter so although that all his Disciples were, quote unquote, following him. I think only a few were actually being discipled by him. And I think it was really Peter, James and John really are the three that are constantly being highlighted by Jesus himself with different revelations they were getting. We think of John, the, the apostle, but also disciple John. 
your first a disciple before he was an apostle goes back into some of the other things I was reiterating with discipleship. But um, he was a disciple first and then became an apostle. And he was the same person who got the revelation on the book of Revelations, which is the last book of the Bible. And so uh, John is one example of that. Peter is another example of that. Peter, James and John, which are the three people Jesus was always seen with and the most intimate with. Why? Because I believe they were the most closest to him. They got revelation on him. They were actually allowing the Lord to disciple them. And that again makes the distinction between Christian and disciples. Although we all say we follow Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Why is not all of us being discipled by Jesus as our Lord and Savior? Why have all of us not beholding him in the word of God, knowing that it's the gospel that we're beholding him through? Why are we not uh, experiencing those change and denying certain things that we need to be denying if Jesus is our Lord and Savior. And so many different examples we've been reiterating over each season that whether you're in the community of LGBT or out of it, you need to be identifying with Jesus. And Jesus is not your, your Jesus cannot be your Lord if his word is not your truth. Jesus cannot be your Lord if you're not submitting to him for him to Lord over you. Jesus is not your Lord if you're not his disciple. You're not a disciple if you're not experiencing uh, those stages and going through them, you know, and so many different other points that I'm hopefully driving home with these scriptures that are true, that are proven to be everything that I'm telling you that they should be in your life. So if you're beholding Jesus in the word, he's going to reveal to you who you are by the word. And then, of course, the spirit of God will change you into that whatever image you're beholding. Now, of course, the, the spirit of God is only going to change you into the image of Christ. It can't change you into the image of anything else. But you get what I mean. Let's close with this scripture. Genesis 1, 26, very familiar scripture. We've gone there multiple times when we talk about such topics on identity. And Genesis 1, 26 uh, really depicts and drives home all of the points we already were stating where identity is concerned. Again, these scriptures, I'm not just going to and saying and reciting for you to just memorize, but for you to meditate, because I want you to genuinely to behold these things. Now, just because we go to Old Testament and Old, Old Testament scriptures, that doesn't necessarily mean they don't. Um, that's not New Testament doctrine. You know, I can still go to Old Testament and support it with New Testament uh, doctrine. So it, it, I don't want you to, you know, uh, get so uh, what's the word? analytical with it to the point where now you're thinking I'm only saying you can read and listen to the New Testament. You can read and listen to even the old, but the doctrine that we're living by is the gospel, which is only revealed in the new, the New Testament. And so make sure whatever scripture you go to in the Old Testament lines up with those doctrinal views that I'm and doctrinal points that I'm making for the new for the New Testament. So Genesis 1 26 is one of those scriptures as well that lines up with that. To help you to see Christ and understand the points that I'm making where your identity is concerned. And Genesis 1.26 reads, very familiar. God said, um, oh no, I'm sorry. God said, let us make mankind in our image and after our likeness. Let them have dominion or power over the fish of the sea, over the fowls of the air, and over everything that creeps upon the earth. Verse 26, 27. So God created mankind in his own image and in the image he created thee them male and female. So if male and female were created in the image of God, we should be beholding that image as it states in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 3.18, reiterating, we should be beholding that image if we're going to be transformed into that image as disciples. And so as disciples, once you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you get saved, you become a Christian. Then you start to follow him as a disciple by denying those old things you used to identify with, the old ways of thinking, the old impulses, your old feelings, and now coming into your new faith. And as you come into your new faith, you're using the word 
word of God to separate you from those old things, driving all these points home. And as you begin to get further and further from the old, you begin to get changed and transformed into the new. And that new is going to be everything. It's going to revolve around and revolve around everything you do, not just sex, sexuality and sin, but everything is you're going to start to see this correlate with everything of who you are and everything of what you do as you behold it in Christ. So hopefully these points have been proven by scripture. I've driven home them. I've given you biblical support for them. So you don't just take my word, but the word. And you can just begin to allow some of these things, even though they may have been challenging, but to change you. I don't want you just to leave here challenged, but I also want you to leave you. I want you to leave here changed because if you just leave here challenged, you may try to come back to challenge me. No, I want you to leave here changed so you can come back and show fruit to me or even other people to say, you know what? I actually applied that scripture. I actually see where you're going with that. I actually did some study of my own. And now I see this for myself and now I can behold it and become it for myself. And so you can be a living testament for those around you who say this can't happen. You can't experience change and self-control when I'm doing it myself, you know. By the help, of course, of the Holy Spirit. And so you can, too. So it's not just where your sex sexuality is concerned. Now we're seeing it's even where your identity is concerned. Same three key components, acceptance, change, control. We're now seeing the plethora of different examples. Those things can be applied as disciples in Christ. So without any further ado, God accepts you. Grace does change you. You can control you. And I pray these scriptures are helping you to do so as you behold them with me and become those things in your life. I love you all until next time and in our next installment of truth, I will hear or see you around. God bless you.